This episode of All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine is brought to you by Lily Trotters. Lily Trotters are my personal favorite compression socks. They are compression socks that are marathon strong and designer inspired. You get fit, comfort, and style whether you're running a marathon or a mile. Made in the USA, Lily Trotters are perfect for the runner, the traveler, the expectant mom, you name it. Not only are they functional, they're super cute too. I want you guys to all check them out. So go to lilytrotters.com or go to my show notes, lindsayhine.com, and click on the link to go over to Lily Trotters and get yourself a 25% discount by using the code ANOTHER. Thank you, Lily Trotters, for supporting this episode of the podcast. Today, you're listening to episode 163, and I am talking with Shalane Flanagan. Very excited to have Shalane on the show today. Shalane has been running for Nike since 2004. She's a four-time Olympian and a silver medalist in the Olympics. She won the New York City Marathon in 2017, and I just have been wanting to talk to her for a really long time. I had her back on the show in 2016 with her co-author, Elise Kopecki, for the book Run Fast, Eat Slow. Since then, they have written a second book, Run Fast, Cook Fast, Eat Slow, And it's really good. Both books are great. I have both the first and second cookbook and love them so much. Got to give a shout out to the superhero muffins. But in this episode of the podcast, Shalane and I get to talk about her professional career and what it looks like right now, what she's thinking about doing for the future. We talk about the New York City Marathon in 2017, the Boston Marathon in 2018, and we also talk about this year's New York City Marathon. Another thing we get to talk about is motherhood and the thought process that goes into that as a professional female runner. Great conversation with Shalane, and she was so gracious to give me an extra 15 minutes of her time for Patreon supporters. So if you support the show over on Patreon on a monthly basis, you have access to bonus content. And some of that bonus content includes conversations with people like Shalane. So head over there right now patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine for 15 extra minutes of this hour long conversation. If you guys are loving the show, if you're new to the show and you like this episode, I would appreciate it so much if you would consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes or whatever app you use to listen to the show. It's one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. So I thank you so much if you have already done so. All right, guys, let's enjoy my conversation with Shalane Flanagan. Today on the podcast, I am super excited to have Shalane Flanagan on the show. Welcome to All Have Another, Shalane. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. Tell me what's going on in your life right now. Um. Well, just this past week, I was in Colorado. In fact, I just got home yesterday. Um, I was in Colorado Springs visiting the Bowerman women um, and men who are up there trading at high altitude. And I was also there uh, for myself to get some treatment on an injury that I'm currently working through um, at the Olympic Training Center. So it was a very productive week and really enjoyed my time. Um, Kind of like, I guess I'm in this phase of internship of um, kind of coaching role but also, um, you know, figuring out um, my next potential athletic goal if I have one. Um, so I'm kind of like sifting through life um, transitions right now, I guess you could say. I like how you called it an internship. Are you interning under Jerry? What's your internship <laughs> look like? Yeah, um, you know, I have uh, a really lengthy period of 
obviously my own running career and knowledge, but um, there's a whole nother side to coaching other than just my own experiences. So I've been watching and observing all of my coaches throughout my career, but um, very specifically, I've had the opportunity to um, become a Bowerman coach um, when I decide I'm done with my own athletic career. And so right now I'm kind of in the unknown of what I want to do next athletically. Um, the focus is just getting healthy again. Um, but yeah, I, I guess they don't call it an internship, but I look at it as that while I'm injured, I'm trying to soak up like a sponge as much information um, that I can from Jerry and Pascal. Um, so, which is really fun for me. It's just a new challenge and a new role. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just, uh, kind of observing and then trying to just, you know, create my own kind of role here. Well, that, you know, the coaching thing was one of the things I wanted to talk about. So we'll just go ahead and talk about it right now. You, you know, you've made it known that that's something you want to do and you've worked with lots of coaches in your life. And Mm -hmm. I guess my question is, what do you think will make you and what makes a good coach? I think the number one quality um, that I think stands out that I've seen um, in my coaches and just in, in great leaders in general is um, if they care. I think that's the biggest thing. I think athletes and just people in general um, respond to people who care. And I feel fortunate that I've worked with a lot of coaches that deeply care about my running. And um, as a result, I feel like it's made me a better athlete because I can tell that they really care about uh, what we're doing. So um, I think that's what makes Jerry such a great coach um, and Pascal is that they deeply care about each individual athlete and their goals. And they're always going to make the best decisions uh, based on what's important to the athlete. And so I think that's the number one quality is, is just caring. You know, I, Jerry is such a person that doesn't get behind a microphone much or anything. And, uh, when I was kind of watching videos on, on you post races and things like that, uh, there was one video that I found Jerry in. And I think it was when you were on 60 minutes. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that must've been 2014, but I was like, Oh my gosh, a video with Jerry. I don't think I've ever seen one. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very rare, uh, rare occasion. So, um, when any of us get Jerry to do anything media wise or be on camera, um, it's quite an achievement. (laughs) So, um, it's, it's a well, it's well documented and our team loves to see Jerry. Um, it's funny because, you know, he, He's like this mystery man and people think he's like unapproachable or scary, but he's like one of the most outgoing uh, people you'll ever meet. So once you actually get him talking, it's like I get on phone calls and it's like we can't shut him up um, <laughs> and he just gets going. Um, but he, you know, he, he lets the, the athletes be the focus and he doesn't mind and in fact wants to be in the background and um, but we all know that he's an integral part of every person's success on this team. And um, but yeah, he doesn't. Uh, he just doesn't seek the limelight and he, he likes, uh, that low profile kind of, uh, background, uh, kind of role. I've had several of your teammates on the show that some, a lot of the younger girls and, um, I've told each one of them, I'm like, just so you guys know, I'm rallying for one day for ha- to have Jerry on the show. So <laughs> I'm speaking it to Shalane herself. So maybe that'll yeah. be one more step in the right direction. 
Yes. Uh, yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> That's exactly what everybody else has told me. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the coach thing just a little bit more. You don't see a lot of uh, high profile female coaches in the sport. So can you talk about that a little bit and how important that is to you? Yeah, I've, I've noticed that as well. Um, and in fact, um, Aaron Strout, uh, uh, um, wrote an article about this and I found it kind of fascinating because I really never sat back and like genuinely thought about the reasons why. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting. And I don't know that there is a definitive answer as to why there aren't a lot of women in this position. And, um, but yeah, we discussed it and I feel like why I, I potentially am in this position is because I feel like I, have great mentors. And I think, you know, sometimes when you're not, um, given the mentorship, uh, it's just a little bit scarier and harder to do. Um, a lot of women tend to gravitate maybe towards, uh, the NCAA system. Um, maybe it's potentially more flexible with having children. Uh, maybe there's more mentors in the NCAA system because there are some amazing, uh, female coaches in, you know, in that in that system, but there aren't a lot at this, uh, elite level at the professional level. And, um, so I, I'm excited about kind of being one of the first of this like new frontier, um, you know, within the U S you know, the person who stands out in my mind is like a Lauren Fleshman, um, that she's working with a great group in bend. Um, but there's just not a lot of other women, um, seeking out this kind of profession. And so, that's exciting to me doing anything new and groundbreaking. Um, so I'm excited for that next chapter because I, I hope to be, um, someone that, uh, will be mentoring someone else in the future for coaching, um, at this level. And, um, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of it to me just comes down to the fact that I feel like I have the resources and the mentorship and people who believe in my capabilities. And so, you know, it's not like, Nike came to me and said they wanted me to do this. Um, I sought them out and I actually created and carved this role for myself with the support from Jerry and Pascal. But um, I will say I was aggressive about my goal and I didn't I didn't wait for Nike to ask me to do this. I I basically said this is what I want to do. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) thankfully, they supported that. Um, So I think, you know, it takes a little bit of like getting after it if you really want something. I'm not waiting for the opportunity to just fall in your lap. So um, I think that too. Um, but I've been in a fortunate position that I've worked with Nike since 2004 and um, I've built great relationships with them to be able to, to kind of have this. That's a really good point. A lot of people can wait a long time to do what they want to do in life if they don't be aggressive, if they're not aggressive about pursuing it. I mean, you could say that with anything. And so yeah, it's really admirable. Uh, no, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about running as a professional female athlete and the thought process of factoring in motherhood into one's life. And that's not necessarily your life, but just the topic in general. Do you have thoughts on that? Oh yeah. Um, it's something probably I've like battled with throughout my entire career. Um, just kind of feeling like two internal poles at various times towards um, you know, at my athletic goals and knowing that there's only a short window for that. But then there's also um, potentially only a short window of which you can bear your own children. So it's kind of, it's a struggle. I think a lot of women um, in the professional running world um, 
you know, kind of have moments where they're struggling uh, with what to do. And I certainly don't have all the answers. Um, you know, on a personal level this year, my goal is to become a mom in some capacity. Um, I've expressed the fact that I um, want to adopt. And my husband and I are literally in the middle of um, working through the adoption, which is completely overwhelming and scary, sure. but a great challenge. Um, and I'm very excited, but I go from days of being excited, but also like kind of terrified, um, which I think is hopefully natural, but, <laughs> um, yeah, like we literally are going through, um, like this week, um, interviews and, and a home study. Um, and I'll, we finished a lot of our paperwork, but, um, yeah, it's a lengthy process to adopt. And, um, so personally, that is a very exciting new chapter. Um, but, um, you know, and who knows if I'll have my own one day. I'm not sure. Um, we're going to definitely follow this route first. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough to, to plan. And it, it's like a lot of women can always just like keep pushing it off because it's like it never seems like it's the perfect time. And sometimes I think you just got to <laughs> go for it and make that leap um, of blind faith that it'll all work out. But um yeah, there's, there's a lot of women. I think it's become more accepted in uh, a community of mother runners, which is great to see because um, I feel like that support system is essential to, to staying with it. And it's scary because a lot of women, and I don't know how all the contracts work, but a lot of women um, will, once they are become pregnant and notify their sponsors, their sponsors or shoe sponsors tend to, and I don't know if things have changed, but in the past, from what I've heard, um, you know, they will be suspended financially, um, for making any money, which is just really tough. Cause you know, a man could get injured, but he's still paid. Maybe he's reduced, but he's still paid while he's injured. But if, you know, a female becomes pregnant, they're, uh, suspended from any pay. So it's just, it's a weird, a weird, uh, business to be in <laughs> as an athlete. Um, and it, it's kind of a tough, a tough position to be in. So, you know, women like Shannon Robery just had a baby, which is so exciting. Um, and, um, gosh, so many other women. Yeah. So what is the thought process with starting with adoption rather than biological? Um, you know, I think it just gives me the opportunity to still explore if I want to continue, um, professionally running, um, but at the same time, fulfill that goal and that, that desire to be um, a mother and my uh, husband to become a father. Um, and I feel like uh, we we went through uh, foster care and we really enjoyed that experience and, and realizing that we can love children that aren't biologically ours. And um, there's always a need for um, homes of, of children. And so we just felt like it was um, just a good natural fit. Like we, we feel like we did a good job with foster care. And I think we'd like to take it a step further and, and get uh, a child at a younger age. Our girls were identical twins and they were 17 years old. And um, so we realized like we wish we would have gotten them sooner and been able to um, work with them sooner and help them. So um, I think that kind of fostered the idea of, um, adoption of hopefully an infant that we can, um, you know, help starting at a much younger age. You know, I heard you talk about your foster daughters in an, in an interview with someone and you were talking about how at some point in your professional career, like it, you, you want another sense of fulfillment. And that was part of the reason you guys 
did that. But I mean, that was 2016. So it was Olympic time. So how did you come to the decision that we're actually going to do this right now? Um, you mean with foster care or adoption? Well, when you did the foster care in 2016. Yeah, it just, well, that actually, that opportunity, we weren't actually seeking out to do foster care. Um, we were actually contacted, um, because there was a need and basically one of my teammates, Andrew Bumbleo, he and his wife, um, had done foster care and they actually adopted a little boy, um, through foster care. Um, and they potentially are even, um, fostering another, uh, child now and potentially would adopt again. And so they've been a great source of inspiration, um, in watching them and, and how they care for children. And so they actually reached out to Stephen and I and asked if we would be willing to help out, um, the two girls that we were, um, took care of. So it kind of just naturally happened and we just jumped on it and said, yes, we'd love to help. Um, so that's how it happened. (laughs) And so adoption process is in action rolling. You mentioned that you're not sure about, uh, the professional running thing. You know, we've every marathon, we're all wondering, is this going to be Shalane's (laughs) last? And yes, are you mm-hmm. a little bit like uh, bummed I'm not running Boston or are you content with that decision? Um, I think it makes it easier in the fact that I'm, I literally can't run right now. Like I'm injured. <laughs> sure. So I think that's like, you know, there's not much I could do about that. If I were actually like fit and felt good, I think maybe I'd have a little FOMO going on about Boston. Um, but yeah, because I, I'm currently just, um, coming back from an injury. I think it kind of makes it a little bit easier to just be like, well, that just was not meant to be for me, but it's not off the table in the future. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, like I said, I'm just like focused on getting healthy again and I'm, I'm actually rounding that corner and I'm starting to do a little bit of running and, um, you know, I injured my patella tendons and both my knees and they've been hurting for such a long time that, um, I, I'm not, I wasn't really missing running when I stopped because I was in so much pain that, um, it wasn't fun to run anymore. (laughs) So I've been embracing the cross training and, um, really enjoying just, uh, doing some other activities other than just running, to be honest. Um, I may be weird in that aspect. A lot of people are like, Oh my God, I can't believe you don't mind going to the pool or getting on the bike or elliptical. And I'm like, nah, it's kind of a nice little break of my routine. And, Um, yeah, the main part is I miss my teammates the most. I love talking with them. It's like social hour. I miss running with them the most, but, um, physically and mentally, it's kind of a nice break to just do some other activities. Like my new activity this winter has been snowshoeing with my family and I've loved it. Just getting outside in the winter and having beautiful snowy landscapes. And I went up to St. Helens and Mount Hood and, um, just a new challenge. Um, I, I don't mind it. <laughs> I don't know if that's weird. And that doesn't but, um, your knee. No. Um, you know, it, it doesn't really, um, it's really just the pounding. Anytime if I like were to come down hard on my knee, um, it's that, that tendon is like really tender, but I've actually been strengthening it. Um, and I've never had tendon issues before and they're quite finicky. And I didn't realize that you actually have to like strengthen the tendons before you start back up. So it's been a learning process because the only other injuries I've been super fortunate have been, um, really minimal and bone related, not, um, tendon. So, um, yeah, I've had, it's a learning curve, learning how to deal with tendons versus bones. And I think tendons are actually more annoying because they just, um, 
they're finicky and there's not like a set timeline um, to come back. Whereas like usually if you break a bone, you're like, okay, at 10 weeks, I'm, I'm generally pretty good or, you know, a set number of weeks. This one, it's a little bit like touch and go and realizing I actually have to strengthen it before I can start back up. Um, it's kind of been interesting, but yeah, in general, um, I, I genuinely don't know what's next with my running. I think I'm just so focused on getting healthy first. And then I feel like over the last couple of years, I've just let like my running, be decided by like what excites me and where my heart is at um, and what excites me to get out of bed every day. And um, I feel actually very fulfilled with my career. If it were to end, you know, tomorrow, um, there's not much left that I, I feel like that's really pulling me. So it's got to be something really motivating um, for me to continue, to be honest. <laughs> well, and you know, you mentioned that for so long, you, that fulfillment, that excitement that you were talking about. And I mean, really, is that what you achieved in New York in 2017? I mean, is that the fulfillment you were looking for? Yeah, I think I was, I was searching for that one last, like really big moment, that one feel good moment. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have some really, some really great ones over the years. And, um, you know, I feel like I've knocked off a lot. I have a Olympic medal. I have a world championship medal from cross. Um, I was able to hold a lot of American records, most of which have been broken now, but <laughs> been able to hold some American records and then get a major marathon win. Um, so I, yeah, there's not, I know I can, you know, I, I look and I watch, you know, uh, women, you know, running really fast on the roads and that's an area where I don't really ever feel like I maxed out my potential in the half marathon or the marathon in terms of like times. But, you know, if, the, the feeling of New York, I think, will forever exceed anything I could do in terms of running fast. That feeling of winning New York is is maybe the best feeling I've ever felt athletically. So I just, it's hard, it's, it would be really hard to top, to be honest. And so um, fast times uh, don't quite excite me the way those major marathon wins feel. Is it weird to hear people say, like I'm about to say, like I literally tear up when I watch you cross that finish line when I watch that video back do you tear up and is it weird to hear people say that <laughs> um no because you know when I watch other great athletic performances um yeah I feel the same way it's it's moving and um the fact that it um is so relatable to people um and it you know when sport transcends and you know having that just amazing moment and you see people you don't necessarily get to see all the hard work behind that performance, but you know, it's there. Um, and the fact that people can relate and see, um, in my expression and in my face that, you know, I worked for so long for that one moment and to just, um, have this like unfiltered joy. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to it because, you know, we, we don't get a lot of those moments. And so I think people love to see other people succeed like that because they're hoping that they, they too will have that moment in their life. Um, and so no, it's, it's the, um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that way when I look at it. Uh, like I don't tear up, but, <laughs> um, but it, but when I see other people, like I see my teammates, you know, uh, achieve something big, like I get so choked up. Um, it's, uh, it's a, such a great feeling and it's, I'm, I'm glad, you know, that we are able to capture those moments. I, I feel very lucky that, uh, that, that, you know, like the cameras were there that day and that, um, we were able to capture that kind of a moment that I'll, I'll be able to look back and share with, uh, people forever. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to celebrate something so monumental and so important in your life so publicly. 
everybody saw. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about uh, New York this year just for a minute or two. I heard you talk so highly of Mary Katani after her Mm. win. Um, And I loved what you said. You said she's a rare athlete and one to be celebrated. I loved your wording, first of all. I'm like, man, what a, what a gifted way to speak on a public stage like this. Um, but, you know, I think it's so important to celebrate our competitors and the other people out there working so hard. So, you know, what talk about the race this year. And, and obviously Mary ran like a ridiculous second half of the race. But you did amazing. And you came in second. I mean, you've podiumed every time in New York. So, so what was the 2018 experience like coming back? after winning in 2017 and towing the line again with Mary. Yeah. Well, I actually, um, I actually finished third this past oh. year. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm such an idiot. That's okay. I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in the stands while I watched you finish and I actually like, do, okay. you finished second I, your first time. Yes. So I went second, first and third. So I have this really nice collection of medals from New York and I'm super proud of just getting back on the podium because, um, leading my, my training going into the race was suboptimal. My tendons were actually, and my knees were really hurting. And I, I didn't, I actually almost a few times felt like I wasn't going to be able to continue and make it to the start line. There was a lot of tears along this journey to get there. So I'm really proud of my performance because, um, I was in a lot of pain with my knees in my training. Um, I was able to, to keep it together and get a good enough training, but, um, regardless, even if I was at my absolute best, I never would have been able to beat Mary, um, this past November. She was just on another level. And I think what's so, um, impressive and why she should be celebrated is because Mary rarely has off days. She's so consistent and I admire consistency, um, because that's what I've tried to do in my career is just be so consistent. Every time I, I get on the start line, I, I try to just, no matter what, make the best of the situation and, and what I've been given. And, um, so I really, uh, I really admire her for that. And she is a super consistent woman, um, and her performances. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mary, um, I could tell was not happy that I beat her last year at all. (laughs) And, um, in fact, I beat her in my first marathon, basically actually in our debuts, we raced each other and I beat her in our debut. I was second and she was third. Um, and she was not happy. She's just a fierce competitor. She's tiny little woman looks like all dainty and, um, demure, but she is really a feisty competitor. And I love that about her because I feel like that brings out the best in me. Um, but there was nothing I was going to do, um, this past November to beat Mary. She, she closed that second half of the race, um, faster than any American has ever run a half marathon. So, um, yeah, you know, they asked us like, well, what could you have done? And I'm like, (laughs) I I have no answer, no retort. I physically am not capable of running that fast in just a half marathon, let alone the second half of the marathon. So there was nothing I was going to do that day to be able to beat her. Um, so that being said, um, she beat some incredible women, um, Vivian, um, who finished right in front of me, um, Vivian Chariot. Um, she is like a superstar on the track and, um, you know, and then she also beat me and Des, Desi, um, who are both, you know, um, world marathon major champions in the last year. So, I mean, 
it is what it is. It was, um, she, she brought her a game and executed beautifully. And, um, it's going to be fun to watch her run again, um, in London this spring. But, um, yeah, I've loved racing Mary. I think she brings out the best in everyone. And, um, yeah, she's, she's an absolute stud. (laughs) Do you get a chance to get to know, uh, your international competitors like Mary, um, anywhere near the way you get to know the American athletes? Um, definitely not the same level just because the American athletes, you know, if we're on us teams, we're, you know, roommates or we like, uh, we'll be training together at a training camp or, um, we just cross paths obviously a lot more and we've been through the NCAA system together. And so we've just created a history and of seeing each other more frequently, but, um, actually Vivian and I, um, Vivian, for some reason, um, really likes Jerry and myself for some reason, (laughs) but, um, she actually has her phone numbers and she has like texted me in the past. And when she was pregnant, she was sending me photos of her pregnant and everything. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. And I think it's helped that, um, I had uh, a Kenyan teammate, uh, Betsy Sena. Um, And I think that, um, kind of opened the door to befriending some other, um, Kenyans. Um, but I'd say back in the day when I was on the track too, I would, um, I was very good friends with, uh, Meseret Defar. Um, she's just like the sweetest lady. It's an awkward conversation because our, obviously I don't, uh, they, they have minimal English and I don't speak anything but English. So, um, the translations are a lot of like hands gestures, but, um, and hugging and just, you know, it's not like we have deep conversations, but, um, I think there's just a mutual, uh, level of respect and, um, we see each other enough, um, at big races that, um, there's a little bit of a bond. Um, so, but I'd say Vivian actually is one of my, my closer Kenyan friends besides Betsy. <laughs> so, yeah, there's definitely a connection you can have regardless of how deep the language, you know, the conversation can go there. You can feel it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's, I think it's, it's definitely the respect and, um, admiration for just, you know, we all know that we're working hard and, um, doing our best. Hi everybody. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Shalane. I want to jump in real quick and remind you to come run the Donna marathon with me, February 10th. It's coming up here in just two weeks. I'm going to be in Jacksonville, Florida to run the Donna half marathon. There's a 5k, a 10k, a half and a full marathon. You guys can all use the code Lindsay15 to get 15% off your registration fee. We are doing a meetup shakeout run on that Friday from Southern Grounds Coffee. I will have all the details to that on my social media and in the show notes, lindsayhine.com. And while you guys are down in Jacksonville, head over to St. Augustine, check it out. It's a beautiful, wonderful city. It's a great way to extend the weekend. I'm going down there with a couple of my girlfriends. Originally, I was going to go with Glenn and Sandy, our youngest son, but we just decided for our family, it made most sense to leave him home with the kids and I'll go with a couple of my girlfriends. So I hope to meet many of you guys down there at the race. It was just a blast last year. So use the code Lindsay15 to get registered for the 5K, the 10K, the half, or the full. And I want to thank St. John's County VCB for partnering with me for this marathon weekend and don't forget guys i am trying to raise 10k for the donna foundation the donna foundation supports those living with breast cancer and it supports groundbreaking research so if you haven't already jumped on board to support my efforts to get to ten thousand dollars for this cause head over 
to actually, you know, I always say my show notes, but go to my Instagram because I have the link to my fundraising page just in my Instagram profile. So my Instagram is lindsayhine626. All right, guys, let's enjoy the rest of my conversation with Shalane Flanagan. Now, tell me who and what you are most excited about for racing this spring, like at Boston and just, you know, obviously the American field is incredible. So who are you most excited to watch as you're kind of nursing your injury and deciding what's next for your life? Um, yeah, I actually need to study up on the Boston field. Um, I know Des will be coming back to defend, which is just so fun to see her back. Um, and then we have Jordan coming back from a year worth of injuries. Um, we have Sarah Hall, who I think she's my dark horse pick for, uh, the next Olympic team. Love it. Um, yeah. Um, and, um, let's see, I can't, I can't totally remember the whole American field. Those are the three that I distinctly remember. Um, maybe Sarah Sellers will be back. Um, and then the international field looks really strong again. I'm, I'm actually good friends with Edna Kiplagat. Um, so Edna is like, gosh, she's incredible. She's also a mother of like three, um, and so consistent. And I think she's almost 39 now, um, which is really inspiring. Um, but yeah, I actually will be in Boston to um, be commentating for WBZ. So basically, <laughs> I have some homework to um, to uh, you know look into the field and how everyone's training is going. I saw Des just ran a half in Louisiana. I don't know her time, but um, yeah, it's fun to to keep an eye on everyone and um, see how their their Boston journey is um, going to unfold and who's picking what races. And um, it's always interesting because some of these races in a marathon buildup are, are indicative of how things are going to go. And sometimes they're completely not. Um, so, you know, it's interesting with the marathon buildup and where people are at their fatigue levels. Um, they can either be, you know, really running fast or not so fast. And then they show up and have a great, great marathon. So it's always interesting to see the progress and the path that athletes choose to a marathon start line. Yeah. So speaking of Boston, was Boston 2018 the hardest physical race you've ever completed? Oh, by far. I feel <laughs> like I'm still having like post-traumatic stress from it. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, I don't know. Were you there yes. um, in I was, Boston? I was on the finish. Okay. I was like on Boylston watching people finish. I was standing in the monsoon. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, that was the least amount of fun I've ever had running. <laughs> the least <laughs> so, amount of fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put yeah. it. Um, uh, yeah. I think if I, um, yeah, if I hadn't put in all the kind of uh, training and um, wasn't an elite athlete, I don't know that I would have started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had yeah. I just been going there for, for, uh, for quote, quote unquote fun. Um, um, I don't know that I would have put myself through that. Um it was very memorable and obviously an amazing day for uh, the American side of marathoning with Des. But my own personal uh, race was just like, um, it wasn't really thriving or racing. I just felt like I was surviving. Like mm -hmm. it was just one of those things after halfway, I went from feeling fine to so not fine that like I, I, I don't, I actually watched it for the first time maybe like a month ago because I think after halfway, I don't, I don't remember what happened. Mm. Like I, I have no recollection. Um, you know, and I asked my family, I'm like, if you had to pick, because I've experienced both, if you had to pick, 
hypothermia or overheating, because I had overheating and dehydration in LA, I said, if you had to pick and you were going to go run a marathon and you knew you were going to have to go through either one of those, which would you pick? And they're all like, oh, for sure. Like I'd pick, uh, you know, like they think hypothermia isn't that bad. They were like, oh, I'd pick hypothermia over dehydration. I said, no way in a million years, I'd rather go through what I went through in LA than what I went through in Boston. It was excruciatingly painful. <laughs> I've never felt that awful. So um, interesting. just interesting. Yes, it was, it was so hard. Um, and it took everything in me. I didn't think to compare it that way. That's an interesting way to compare it. Yeah. Um, you know, those, those two marathons were the hardest I've ever done, but by far Boston exceeds LA, which is, I never thought it could get worse than that. So (laughs) that's how, that's how hard I thought it was. (laughs) I'm always curious, but you, you said you kind of like, don't even remember what happened after the halfway point, but I'm always curious uh, why people, specifically elite runners who were racing to win, obviously, um, why'd you stick with it once you knew it wasn't going to happen? Um, maybe because I was thinking it was my last Boston. Um, and also the fact that I think you always just want to like never give up because you never know what's going on in front of you. Like you have no idea what's happening, even though like you don't know who's dropping out or what's going on. So I, I always have that mantra in a marathon is like, just don't give up, don't give up. Um, I always feel like, uh, not finishing feels way worse mm-hmm. than just, even if you, if, even if I finished a hundredth, I'd rather finish than, than dropping out. Um, to me just feels awful unless like I literally just can't move, which I, as I said, I watched it, the marathon, um, you know, recorded a month ago and I'm like bobbing and weaving and I'm actually like getting in the way of some of the men finishing. Like (laughs) it was so bad. Like I don't, I don't remember. I was all over the road and it was quite, yeah, it was terrible. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like there's something to be said about just sometimes the day, what it gives you is just finishing. And I just felt like this may be my last boss. And so I, I'm finishing. So that's a good reason to finish. Yeah. I mean, it was, so crazy watching everybody finish. I, my husband was running, so he was, you know, running with the regular people. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, poor Glenn, I, right? Yeah. Glenn. That's his name? Yeah. Yes. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> wow. I'm really impressed that you knew that. <laughs> I, I have, I have a good memory generally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I seen you come in and Molly and I mean, it's just like this mass confusion, even for us as spectators, you know, we were kind of all just like, what is happening? Because we knew how terrible the circumstances were, but it's just like everybody was confused, you know, you guys running and everybody that was placing, nobody knew they were placing except for Des, obviously. Yeah, no, it was, it was just mass confusion. And, you know, even watching on TV, it looks bad, but like the actually being out there was, was a whole nother level of experience. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it'll be, it'll be one that we talk about You'll for a long time. never not talk about it. <laughs> no. All right. Well, speaking of that, um, t- tell me what's one of the, and we talked about motherhood a little bit and all that, but what is one of the toughest decisions you've ever had to make in your career? Gosh, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I've, I've been highly motivated and I'm really passionate about running. So that's been, it's been easy to do my job, um, in a way, because I, I am really excited about what I do. Um, I think 
I think I'm actually kind of at that moment of like the toughest decisions, whether to continue or to step aside and, you know, start to use my knowledge, um, to serve others. And so I think, I think right now is actually, (laughs) to be honest, like one of the harder decisions. Um, I think anytime you're, you're, uh, change is always a little bit hard and uncomfortable. Um, so I think when to step aside, um, is, is kind of a, is a hard time, kind of hard to let go of because it's, it's part of my identity. It's what I love. Um, but, uh, yeah, knowing when is the right time. I think, I think I'm currently in the tough decision (laughs) to be honest. Yeah. It's gotta be hard. Now tell us about your relationship with all of your teammates, the women on your team. And, and actually you guys just signed, who is it? Matt Centrowitz that just joined the team. Yes. Yeah. On the men's side, um, which he is like, so I was just up at camp. Um, and I haven't hung out really with Matt like ever. We've had a few Nike, um, crossover appearances. Um, but I haven't really gotten to know him very well. Um, but this was the first time that I spent, you know, a few days and just crossing paths. He was, some of the men were over on Tuesday night. We normally do Monday night bachelor night and we do homemade pizza. Love that. But we, we, we pushed it to Tuesday so that we could fast forward through the commercials. Yes, so, totally. So that we, so, um, so we had a Tuesday night, um, and the men came over and Matt Centrowitz is a stand-up comedian. Really? I think I, I think I peed my pants. Like, <laughs> like I, he is hilarious. Um, yeah. So he's been a nice addition. Um, he is a little bit injured right now, so he's not, um, doing the full training with everyone, but I'm looking forward to see him, you know, back in the groove and swing of doing track sessions. Cause I think he brings a good energy. Um, and I think, you know, having, um, someone who's, an Olympic champion is just brings confidence to groups. So, um, I look forward to, to seeing him kind of back at it. But in general, I, th- I think he's having a fun time with the group. Um, I think he was training a lot on his own, um, in the last couple of years. So I think he's really thriving on the group environment. Um, but yeah, he is one funny dude. Um, so it's, it's fun to have him around. Um, but yeah, from the women's perspective, um, gosh, we have 11 women now, including myself. We've got Shelby, Amy, Emily, Colleen, Courtney, Kate, Marielle, Carissa, Vanessa, and Gwen. So that's quite a crew. Yeah. (laughs) And it's a lot of fun. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and, you know, I've talked to so many of the the ladies on the team, and everybody is just like, Shalane's the, you know, the mother of the group and kind (laughs) of the the leader. You were the first woman on the Bowerman team. And um, it's got to feel pretty cool to be the leader in the group. Yeah, I I think it comes natural to me to be a little bit on the bossy side because <laughs> I was I'm an older sister and I have a younger 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 sister or younger sister and a younger brother and um I don't know, it's just uh comes natural and I enjoy helping and sharing my knowledge. I think I've I've had a lot of experiences that serve the athletes well and um you know they can go to Jerry for X's and O's of training, but I think what I can offer is just my experiences and they come to me to things that they're maybe not comfortable talking to Jerry or Pascal about. Um, and yeah, I, I thrive on a group environment. I think they all realize how much better they are because we do train together and we help each other get better. And 
um, I think it's, it's a extremely rewarding, um, process and I'm just, I'm super proud of them. I told them that like watching oh. them work out this past week, they're, they're just all, all, you know, putting their head down, working hard. Some of the new, the new young women, um, Carissa and Vanessa have never been to altitude really. And they're doing a great job of just working through the fatigue and knowing that they're, you know, setting this great foundation for the next two years of, of big, big stuff ahead. And, um, you know, it's, it's not without its, uh, moments of, <laughs> um, you know, having tough moments, but, um, I'm just proud of, you know, the fact that they're all helping each other kind of get through it. And yeah, it's a good, good group of women. Well, and when you see these women, in their twenties or however old they are. And you can probably look back at Shalane in her twenties. You see yourself and, and what are, you know, if you see them struggling in a workout or feeling, you know, mentally defeated, cause that happens to everybody at times. What, what's your advice? And I mean, cause you look back and think, what would I have told my younger self? Yeah, well, I think they they already have a leg up um, because they do have a group of people to train with, mm. and they they have that um, you know the misery loves company kind of aspect. I, you know, I would in my twenties, I didn't really have many many training partners. Um, I was kind of training uh, with Shannon Robery at the time and Aaron Donahue, but it was really sporadic. So I already feel like they're at uh, a huge advantage. They're already so much further ahead of where I was at, at their age, um, the resources of, um, people and just support system is already so much better. So I almost feel like they can't fail because we've set it up in such a manner that they, um, you know, even on the toughest days, it's already better than what I had. <laughs> so, um, it's, they, they're in such a good situation. It's, it's just like kind of feels foolproof, um, because they're lifted up by great coaches, by great sponsors and then great teammates. Um, and so it's, it's kind of a foolproof plan in my mind compared to what I had, but yeah, I think the key is just patience. Um, you know, they see where they want to be, where they want to be the next Shelby Houlihan and, um, and having that patience and waiting for that moment to come and knowing that it takes multiple years of work to get there and, um, just kind of embracing the fact that, change and growth is kind of uncomfortable. And, you know, like Carissa was really, uh, tired this past week on a Tuesday workout, but then came back on Friday and just smashed it. And I could just see that she was so proud of herself, you know, to have a tough day and then come back and then really have a really great strong day and just kind of trusting that process of the ups and downs. And, you know, when you're coming out of college and you're like the best NCAA athlete, and then coming into a group like this, um, it's a little bit humbling to just see, um, you know, how much work there is to be done to get to that next level, but they're all excited by it and, um, they don't get too discouraged, you know, but they're also competitive. It's, it's crazy. They, they definitely take it to heart if they don't have a perfect day. And I try to tell them that, you know, as a professional athlete, that's the key. You're not going to be perfect every day because you're challenging yourself and, and, but you still have to come up, come and do your job, um, regardless of how you're feeling. Yeah. Well, you're known for being, uh, I don't know if meticulous is the right word, but like you're going to get all the work done that needs to get done to get to where you need to be. Um, is that kind of something that, is that something you think you were born with? I don't know. I just, uh, I like working hard. I think it, it feels rewarding and, um, the process is very important to me. I, I think 
it truly is in the details of what you're doing that really adds up. And, um, yeah, I think tr- I, I try not to be a sloppy athlete. A sloppy <laughs> I try to bring, I try to bring a level of professionalism to what I'm doing and kind of compartmentalize and, and be organized as much as possible. Um, but yeah, no, nothing is ever truly perfect, but I try to give myself the total best environment to be productive and, um, and cultivate this really great environment, um, you know, to achieve our goals. But yeah, I'm very detail oriented, um, not obsessive, but detail oriented is what I'd call it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that probably served you well when you guys, you and Elise wrote your books, run fast, eat slow, and then run fast, cook fast, eat slow. Talk about that process a little bit. Is that, you know, because I, you know, I talked to um, Dina Castor on the show and she said writing a book is by far one of the hardest things she's ever done. And I know your book is a little bit different, but was it real hard? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's, she nailed it. Yeah, hers is a little bit of a different book because it was very introspective and, um, you know, she kind of had to dig deep to, you know, recapture her life, um, which was an amazing book. And I loved every, every sentence of it. So good. Um, and so helpful for so many people. Um, a cookbook, um, completely something I never thought I would end up doing. Um, and just the process of learning, uh, the book world was fascinating. Um, just going from athletics and then going to, um, transitioning and, and trying to figure out how to write a book and, you know, writing a book proposal. Um, how do you get an agent? How do you get actually, uh, signed on to someone to publish your book? There's so many variables and, um, learning curves that it took us the first time around with run fast, eat slow, just so much longer. And it's amazing how much quicker we were on the second, uh, book because, you know, just that process of figuring out, um, just what to do and how to do it and who to talk to and connect with. And, um, but it was a fun challenge. I got to work with my best friend of 18 years. So, um, it, uh, it was certainly challenging, but, um, Elise is, is maybe even more meticulous than me. So we were like a a perfect blend. And normally I would say I'm, I'm definitely like a leader and assertive, but, um, when it comes to cookbooks and writing, um, Elise was definitely, I call her my boss lady. Um, she is definitely the one who was like telling me what I needed to do, (laughs) which I kind of liked. I liked having a boss. Um, and she's, she really, uh, poured her heart and soul and time into, um, you know, our books for sure. Um, she was, we definitely divided roles. Um, but she, she really gave up a lot in terms of, she gave up her, her job to pursue, um, these books with me. So, uh, it was a big leap of faith, uh, for her to do that. And so I had to make sure that I gave everything I had because here I had my best friend, um, giving up a lot to, to make this happen. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think we would have ever thought we would have written a second one if it not had been for our fans, um, telling us that they wanted more while we were on our book tour for run fast, eat slow. And we took notes and just listened to what people wanted. And that's how the idea of our second cookbook, um, came to be because we just listened to what our fans wanted and liked. And, um, so it was, I think the second cookbook is actually even more beautiful and inspiring because I think it was just more, more, um, more of us and just like more true to like the message. I feel like we, we brought more of the message of what the first one intended, but this one was even, even more purposeful. Yeah. I love, I love that you listened to what people said because 
oftentimes when you're in the public eye, you could take a suggestion as a criticism, you know, and uh-huh. instead of doing that, it sounds like you were like, yeah, let's do this. Let's make it faster and easier to make some of these recipes. So that's really awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. If you just listen to people. <laughs> um, and so we, yeah, we took notes wherever we went and listened to what people wanted. If they wanted a homemade mac and cheese, we brought it, we gave it to them. So <laughs> yeah. I, I really want to try the, um, the Thai quinoa bowls. I haven't done it yet, but I want to, cause they look really Oof. good. Is yes, that one of your favorites? Yeah. It is. Yes. The Thai quinoa salad is like, it was a staple in my preparation for New York. Um, so it's kind of like my emotional recipe, my emotional attachment. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, I just felt like it, it was like a very cathartic and healing recipe for me for some reason. And I ate it literally like right up until a few days before the marathon. So yeah, love it. Say you just got back from a 16 mile run. What are you going to make? Hmm. Um, mm, probably our sweet potato, um, waffles. That's probably one of my favorites right now. Um, but I always do love some eggs. So maybe one of our, our scrambled eggs, um, recipes as well with avocado and toast as well. I don't know (laughs) all of it. Maybe I'll always have like a stash of muffins on hand Our superhero muffins. Mm -hmm. I love the blueberry beet molasses. Yeah. So love it. All right. (laughs) One last question and we'll do the end of the podcast. What's the best advice you've ever been given as an athlete? Oh gosh. I think as a young athlete, I just wasn't very patient. Um, so when I came to Jerry and when I wanted to tackle the longer distances, like the marathon, um, I don't feel like I was very, a very patient athlete. (laughs) And, um, I think that has been really a key, a key like mantra, um, in my racing, in my training, um, and not trying to force results and, um, kind of let them evolve, especially as a distance runner. It's kind of like you got to marinate in and becoming what you want to be. Um, not saying that you can't go after what you want, but, um, just having the faith and the trust in the process and the patience to, to, to work hard for a long amount of time. I think there's a, we're in an era of instant gratification and, um, kind of learning how to just relax a little bit and relax into doing the work and just knowing that eventually the results will come. I think that couldn't be more true than of my win in New York and what Des um, did in Boston this past year. And I think that epitomizes uh, patience. (laughs) And I think, you know, Des and I just were patiently biding our time for about a decade um, to kind of have those big, those big moments. So, um, I think, yeah, just my coach, Jerry, definitely taught me patience and delayed gratification. What are you most proud of in your career? Um, by far, the consistency mm. of what my, my body of work from start to finish here. Um, I, I basically made every U.S. team there was to make. The only one I didn't make was um, London um, because I had just come off of a back fraction. I'd only... Um, had about like three or four weeks of training. So I missed out, but I feel like in the end that was a blessing because, um, I was able to give my full commitment to preparing for New York, which then turned out to be the greatest, you know, moment in my athletic career. So, um, but yeah, the consistency, uh, made for Olympic teams, um, and just, 
that to me is what I'm super proud of. Um, just over since 2004 to now to 2019, um, the body of work that I've put together, um, you know, one of someone at Nike recently, I guess this summer was like laughing at me because, um, you know, I was just joking around. I'm like, man, I still have some tread on the tires, you know, doing some speed session and, He's like, Shalane, I, I just can't believe like that we signed you in 2004. And he's like, you're still competitive. You're still relevant. And he's like, I yes. never would have thought that. And he's like, what are you doing? How are you doing this? <laughs> and I was like, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I just, that, that consistency um, means a lot to me. And that's what I've, I've tried to do. Every time I go out there, I try to just, you know, make the best of it. 2004. That's crazy. That's so long. (laughs) I know. I know. Man, it's awesome though. That's so awesome. (laughs) Yes. What's one thing professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, well, personally becoming a mom, that is like my number one goal this year. Um, and then professionally what I haven't done yet, you're saying, um, gosh, well, if there was one last bucket list, it would definitely be to win Boston. Mm -hmm. Um, that would be my professional, um, remaining goal. But, um, you know, professionally, I think I'm excited to tackle some new adventures with coaching and, um, maybe getting into the commentating world, um, a little bit. That's awesome. Would you think you'd ever run a marathon Meb style for fun? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm a running addict. Okay. That's in (laughs) your future. Oh yeah, for sure. I'll still be running. Yes. <laughs> you can be like the pacer for different, you know, you could be like the three hour pacer for certain races or something. That would be really fun. That would be three hours. Seems a little too fast though for me. Does it really? <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, that's, you kind of have to be pretty fit for a three hour marathon, but, um, this maybe like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know how far off I'll fall with my training, um, becoming a coach, but, um, maybe training with the women and running with them will keep me fitter than I think. So we'll see. <laughs> what is the best, most recent book you've read? Um, Ooh, uh, yes. Well, I got a sneak peek. I'm not sure if it's out yet. Um, but it's called the passion paradox. Okay. Um, by my friend, uh, Brad Stolberg and, uh, uh, Steve Magnus. Um, they just came out with a new book and I highly, highly recommend it's a beautiful book. Very inspiring. It sounds good. What's it about? Yeah. Um, it's basically saying, uh, the gist of it is like, you know, passion is such a wonderful thing, but, um, it can be all consuming and kind of trying to find that balance. Um, but yet not have a balance of your passion, um, kind of going all in, um, and like having the pendulum swing really extreme sometimes to going all in on a, on a goal and a passion, but then also having that pendulum swing back to the other side to kind of balance things out and how a passion can sometimes not be actually healthy. Um, if it's, if it's too extreme and kind of finding that balance in life. Ooh, yeah. We need to read that. Everybody, everybody yeah. needs to read that. <laughs> It's an incredible book. It's, it's really inspiring. Um, and I feel fortunate that, um, they're both good friends of mine. And, um, I, I talk to Brad quite frequently cause he's like, he's almost like a life coach therapist. And, um, I, you know, I consulted and talked to him recently just on, you know, the transition of, um, out of athletics and he gave me some great books to read. And, um, he's just a, a great guy. Both of them are. 
That's awesome. What's your one message you'd like to send to the world? Um, I think it caring about what you're doing and caring about others and trying to produce work that's uh, born out of love. Work that's born out of love. Great. I love that. <laughs> I love it when someone gives me something good like that. That's awesome. Okay, good. <laughs> Put me on the spot there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, Shalane's going to hang on for 10 extra minutes to do a little Patreon fun. So, uh, Shalane, thank you so much for doing this and, and sharing what's going on in your life now. And you'll have to forgive me for saying you got second instead of third in New York this year. Oh, no, I'll take it. You can always say I'm second. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> no, oh, man. No. <laughs> All no, right. Thank you for, for taking the time to talk. Thank you. Thank you so much to everybody who listened to the show today. Thank you, Shalane, for coming on and sharing your story, your thoughts, your hopes and dreams and everything that's going on in your life right now. You guys don't forget an extra 15 minutes of extended conversation with Shalane can be found over on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. And make sure you are connecting with me on social media. That is how I love to get to know everybody who listens to the show. You can find me on Instagram, Lindsay Hine 626. I post lots of videos about upcoming episodes, sneak peeks for upcoming episodes. You'll get a glimpse into my family life a little bit as well. I have four little boys, and so there are quite a few stories on my Instagram of them as well. And I talk about my training. I'm training for the Boston Marathon right now. So lots of good stuff over there. You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine, and I'm on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We also have a group over there. Lots of new members have been joining recently and connecting. People can connect with other listeners if they're in the same city. Lots of people ask questions about races and suggestions. And it's just a great supportive group and a great way to get to know this community. So make sure you find us over there. Links to everything we talked about will be in the show notes. Go get yourself a pair of Lily Trotter's compression socks. Use the code ANOTHER at checkout for 25% off that. All right, you guys, have a really great Friday. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.